Hello and welcome to the Kane and Rinse podcast. This is volume 8, issue 392, Batman Arkham Origins. Before we get on to talking about the game, a little bit of intro to the show. You can play along with the games that we are playing for the rest of volume 8, the next five of which are Metal Gear Solid 5, The Phantom Pain, then Banjo-Kazooie, Nuts and Bolts, following that Donkey Kong 64, then The Evil Within 2, and finally of these five, the Asteroids series. So lots of kind of series continuing on there, and that's what we're doing this time around. We also have shows outside of Canaan Rinse. We have Sound of Play on Wednesdays. That's on its own podcast feed. You can find that. We talk all things video game music on there and have selections from guests and community, and some of us sometimes are on there as well. We also have on Thursdays Playwright Podcast, where the two Ryans talk about pitches for video games, just flesh out a sort of single-sentence elevator pitch into what the game could be and give it a catchy name. Then on Fridays, we have The Sausage Factory, where Chris O'Regan interviews developers about their upcoming games, games that have recently released uh, around the time of release sometimes, and he talks to them about what motivates them and then what, how their game came to be. Okay, joining me, James Carter, in issue 392 are Jacob Geller. I'm the Joker, baby. <laughs> uh, Joshua Garrity. I'm Batman. And Leah Hedo. I'm also Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Two Batman and a Joker. Excellent. I think this is already a commentary on the game. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible voice casting will come up at some point, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Okay, we're talking Batman Arkham Origins. This game has a lot of kind of stuff that goes along with development and pre-release and stuff like that, so let's get into it. Uh, game. This game is the third in the mainline of the Batman Arkham games uh, and was not developed by Rocksteady, notably. So developed by uh, Warner Brothers, WB Games, Montreal. Their Montreal studio who had previously worked on Batman Arkham City's Armored Edition on Wii U. However, they did not work on Batman Arkham Origins Wii U version. Instead, Human Head Studios handled that, who previously notably did Prey 2006. Uh, and the PC version, we'll get into why this is notable in a second, uh, was handled by Iron Galaxy, who do all manner of different ports. They've ported a lot of different stuff. So as mentioned, a Warner Brothers game publisher, therefore Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment. Um, across the credits, there's a large number of people who've worked at other Montreal studios, be they Ubisoft or, you know, or otherwise. Um, there's so there's quite a bit of crossover with different series uh, notably creative director Eric Holmes game director uh, Benoit Richer apologies for pronunciation here uh, and senior producer, producer Ben Matties are, are sort of high up in the uh, overall sort of direction and production uh, credits so Paul Dini had previously worked on the Arkham series as kind of consultant and story uh, to help with story and stuff he was due to sort of back and forth on what Rocksteady's next game was going to be after City um, and and this game not kind of getting up off the ground in time. Warner Brothers had said to Paul Dini, find other stuff to work on, we don't need you for this. So he was not a consultant on this game, but Jeff Johns was. Uh, to what degree? I don't know. He's not listed as a uh, writer on the game, uh, but he was a consultant for Things Batman as someone who has written the character previously. 
So part of the reason that um, the WB Montreal were able to to take over this entry into the franchise was because they had worked with the version of the Unreal Engine um, for the Wii U port of Arkham City that Rocksteady had been using. So they had that familiarity built in. Um, so same engine as per Asylum City and Night. There, there's a sense of continuity there with, I think, for the most part, a lot of the kind of way the game looks and character design, etc., as you'd expect. And the game was released on PC, PS3, and Xbox 360 on the 25th of October 2013. Um, oh, Wii U as well, although I should say in in Europe, the PC and Wii U releases were delayed a couple of weeks. 8th of November, they ended up coming out. Um, there wasn't really a lot of explanation for that, I don't seem to remember at the time, but it was all over uh, Eurogamer, I noticed the story on, but all over various websites and podcasts at the time, kind of making sure people knew to expect the delay. So this game is actually, it was never remastered for current gen, but it is actually on the backwards compatibility list for Xbox One, but only the disc version. Tough to get hold of on digital stores unless you're talking PC. Uh, this game reviewed, I think, relatively well. Is that that 7 out of 10 mark where it's tough to tell if that's just middle of the road or if it's a good game with flaws or a, a not-quite-so-loved game with some kind of standout moments. But in the And very close together across the, the platforms as well, between 70 and 73%, I think. Um, the, the sales figures, the only ones I could find were for the UK charts, which is often the case, which only takes into account physical sales. And Arkham City sold twice as many during the launch week as as Arkham Origins did, but Arkham Origins was kind of on a par with Arkham Asylum, which is seems not terrible. I don't know. It's tough to know because if WB don't want to release these figures, we've got nothing to go on. So the first order of business, I guess, is going to be to talk about some of the technical issues those kind of plagued the launch period. But before we do, it makes sense to find out when we played this game originally because that's going to have a bearing on how potentially how many of the reported technical issues we came across. So, Leah, would you care to start us with how you came to Arkham Origins and a little bit, I guess, of where you whether you'd played previous games in the series up to this point? So I had played uh, the previous few games in the series and enjoyed them pretty thoroughly. I, uh, I actually just looked this up because I was not sure whether I played... Uh, Origins right on release or not. Apparently, I didn't. It was uh, pretty close. I played it in February of 2014. That's what my uh, Xbox Live profile says. Mm. So uh, that was the the first time that I played it. I don't think that I've played it at all since then. I picked it up, as I mentioned before, on the uh, on PS Plus, or mm. I'm sorry, on PS Now, yeah, yeah. which is the streaming service that they that they offer for uh, PlayStation subscribers. And I like this game. Uh, I'm, I've been playing through basically just to kind of get the uh, the story and, and get a little taste of the mechanics back so that I would be fresh for the podcast. So I was playing on the easy difficulty, which is very easy, uh, even for me. I'm not, I'm, I'm one of those people who will unhesitatingly play a game on easy just to kind of cruise through it and just kind of get that experience yeah. but even for me this one was pretty easy on that strategy so uh I'm, I'm guessing other people probably played it on more difficult and and uh will have had slightly different experiences but overall uh i've played it through twice on two different consoles mm -hmm. and 
some glitchiness aside, which we'll get into, I had a pretty good time with it both times. Cool. Excellent. Thank you very much. Uh, Josh, how about yourself? Like Leah, big, big fan of the uh, first two um, Arkham games. Um, Asylum, I I genuinely think is, you know, a a big favorite of mine. I I really, really Mm. love that game. City, um, not quite as much, but there are loads of moments within City that I think are, are, are really, you know, stand out. So I was interested in this game, but um it it's it felt like um coverage for this game and just the way it was being positioned in all the marketing it did feel like uh like an offshoot it kind of was treated as like a side story mm-hmm. um and it didn't help that you know uh, you know mark hamill and and uh oh god a blank kevin his conroy name. Uh, uh kevin conroy um weren't involved yeah. in this yeah, um sure. uh, uh and it 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 was just you know it, it all fed into and maybe that's unfair but it all mm. fed into this perception that the game was not an essential purchase and then the reviews came out and they seemed to reflect that feeling um and i didn't end up picking up uh, picking it up day 1 um i would pick it up much later um during um some kind of sale i i picked it up on 360 in fact i thought mm. I was going to say I picked it up in a Steam sale, but actually that was late, even later mm-hmm. on. Um, I picked it up on 360 initially um, and played through it. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I I do enjoy this game. Um, so I'll get into the details uh, um, as to yeah. why, but I, I kind of feel similarly to you yourself, James, mm. but uh, we'll get into that in a bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We have already, as Kane and Rince covered Arkham Asylum and Arkham City, um, in issues 103 and 105, it, very early in volume three. Um, I think, therefore, I'm okay saying it's fair game for us to potentially need to have to cover some aspects, not in-depth plot, but some of the stuff that this game ends up as a prequel foreshadowing happening. I think that's fair to say. If you'd rather go and listen to those uh, two previous issues first. Great, absolutely fine, fantastic. What I will say is, it, as much as possible, we're, we're not going to talk, well, actually not even as much as possible. I don't want to talk at all about the plot of Arkham Knight, but... I haven't played it yet, so yeah, let's yeah, not. <laughs> but But I, I think I, I can imagine myself wanting to draw contrast between stuff that I liked about this game towards the rest of the series, and I'll try and keep it as much to that rather than specifics about Arkham Knight. Yeah. I just wanted to make yeah. sure everyone kind of knows where, where we stand on that before uh, we hear from Jacob. Yes, so I have played this only on PC. I think I, I'm i a big fan of the Arkham series as well. I've I've spent more time in like the kind of combat arenas of these games than yeah. basically any other series, because yeah. um, it just feels so good to punch people. <laughs> um, but I didn't pick this up on release mm-hmm. and and just kind of like absorbed it uh, one day as you kind of do with PC games. Mm-hmm. But I've played it through a couple times, both mm-hmm. then and very recently for the show. Um, and I think much like uh, Arkham Origins is the black sheep of the series, I will be the black sheep of this podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that shakes out in a little bit. Uh, entirely fair enough. Uh, so... Uh, I've kind of laid my cards out. I, I got the, like, um, particularly you said, Josh, 
I got the feeling in the run-up to this game that it was being pitched as a, oh, this is maybe not going to be on a par with. Um, and as I say, I got a certain amount of it felt like negativity towards the developer, which I thought was incredibly unfair. It's not the developer's fault what they've been tasked to make. This is me reading into a situation that it turns out I can't back up with any evidence whatsoever. So maybe people were perfectly reasonable towards WB Montreal, but I I ended up going to this game a little defiant towards some of the what I what felt like very early and unwarranted criticism before anyone had even played the game. Um so I did pick this up at release, but it was the PC version, so it was the eighth of November is when I started noticing Steam Steam achievements, if I can say that. Um so I got it at launch then, but as we're about to find out, that means this PC patches had already started rolling out because it had been out elsewhere in the world for two weeks by that point. So possible i was lucky there to kind of be able to dodge some of the pc issues but i don't remember that many of them i actually remember more of my current playthroughs issues than i do any issues i had with the original um one but i had been a big fan of the arkham series up to that point like josh i would say asylum over city for me and i talked about city on the podcast I went back to City and actually probably enjoyed it a little bit more than I did at release, but I wasn't convinced before this game came out that the Arkham series had got a grasp of how it was doing open world. That kind of notion of taking the close, the, the, the very sort of close quarters and tight environment of Asylum and blowing it out to a city didn't. I hadn't felt I didn't feel that that potential had been realized. So I came into this hopeful and a little bit defiant over some of the the prior to release criticisms. Um but ended up enjoying it quite a bit. Uh I'll and we'll dive into why and exactly how much as we go through for all of us. But I think it is worth talking about some of the technical issues. Uh so I played at launch, some of us were kind of a little bit after launch, but around that time and it's fair to say to this day some of these issues still persist. Um, we've got a couple of pieces of forum feedback that particularly uh, lean into talking about technical issues, so I thought we'd kind of prime ourselves to talk about it by reading through these. Um, for any upcoming issue that's been announced, Jay has kindly created a forum thread on our forum, com forward slash forum, where you can go and leave short to medium form <laughs> feedback for us to include in the in the show certainly longer form than our three-word reviews and two such people did uh, josh i wonder if you could read deadpool negatives comments please arkham origins upon its release in 2013 was derided as the proverbial black sheep of the arkham franchise the lack of developer rocksteady's involvement combined with an utterly useless multiplayer element and some rather surprising technical issues I lost about four hours of my playthrough due to a corrupted save, are all black marks against it. But in the end, I found it to be an entertaining game on its own, if not on the level of its predecessors. Thank you very much. And following up with that, Leo, would you read Reprobate Gamer? 
Uh, Arkham Origins is a game that I won't ever forget, mainly as it killed my original Piano Black PS3. I'm so sorry. The game itself was a reasonable fit into the Arkhamverse for the most part, but does raise some questions regarding the timeline with regards to ages of several characters. I had no complaints with the gameplay, but of all the Arkham games, this is the one that I could really hear the console working, and there were some graphical issues, game freezing pop in before the PS3 died. I seem to recall that Origins had the most criticism of the series, and whilst some of that may be Rocksteady not being in the dev's chair, my experience would lend some credence to the critics. I did stumble through to the narrative end, and the replacement PS3 didn't seem to struggle as much, but I didn't feel the need to push for 100% completion. Just to start off there, um, I looked up the release date of the PS4, which mm. was uh, November of 2013, so yep. this would have been a really late PS3 yeah, game, yeah. Um, which I would imagine is not completely responsible for a lot of uh, the issues, but it was probably trying to push it a little much in some places, so I, I wonder if that yeah. was not a, a pretty big deal, actually. Yeah, it was trying to push some pretty old consoles by that point. Mm. The PS3 would have been seven years old, Xbox 368. So the fact that Reprobate Gamer says that it was a original Piano Black PS3, that thing was old by that point, and these were consoles that we saw more than any previously, I think, have technical issues and, and overheating issues and the like. So, yeah. Although, I can, I can add that playing it on... Um, a computer that would have been, upon release, inconceivably powerful. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, it still has a a whole number of technical For issues sure. that yeah. do not seem to be related to the power of playing no. it, but just it as a game. Um, in in my most recent playthrough, mm -hmm. uh, most memorably, the the first boss fight with Killer Croc. Yep, he just was invisible he just disappeared <laughs> and and i had to I don't like think that's canon. <laughs> and and i kind of like sometimes the game would crash but frequently i would just like die to him being invisible yeah, yeah. and ultimately i beat the fight against an invisible opponent because wow. i just like couldn't i just couldn't figure out how to make him stay visible i hear story and you know everyone has their mm. own experience but I hear stories of people having consistent issues with this. Yeah. Um, I guess I lucked out. Um, I, te I, I tend to, for whatever reason, um, I have like this. Um, I have this ability to just avoid uh, a lot of bugs in games yeah. that are notorious for bugs. Um, uh, like Fallout New Vegas, the first time mm -hmm. I played through that, I managed to avoid most of the bugs. Yeah. Uh, it was only like on repeat visits that I had issues with that game in particular, and with this, like, yeah, I fell through the universe um, the one time, um, but um, so I had a dramatic one, um, but apart from that, yeah. uh, I I didn't really have many issues. I didn't have anything game breaking, but certainly some crashes that just inexplicably just the game stopped operating altogether and sent me to my desktop. At launch, though, uh, some of the issues included save game corruption, which probably wouldn't have been helped by having to patch the game a lot. That can be something that often causes more save game problems than it solves. Game progression bugs, including inaccessible towers that and, and uh, mainline story stuff where a prompt wouldn't pop up allowing you to like literally move through a door you have to go through. As Josh mentioned, there were issues with people falling through game geometry. 
So yeah, just kind of all over the place, and these are across formats. It kind of seems easy to point finger at Iron Galaxy for the PC stuff, given they also ported Arkham Knight, which is, I think it's fair to say, even more notorious than this game for having had issues. But the issues appear on all versions, so or some of the issues appear on all versions. So it really isn't any one thing or any one version or any one issue. But by February 2014... The uh, so that's I guess four months after release, the developer had switched over their attentions from patching the game to DLC production. Needless to say, that was not met with uh, with a very positive reaction from a lot of people who were still suffering issues. But this kind of feels like it was ahead of what now almost feels far too commonplace with games, I guess, where there is this notion of a game being released and having to be patched multiple times. And particularly with live service games, devs having to push back, moving on to work on DLC because they're still dealing with game issues. Uh, This was tail end of last gen and kind of feels like it set the tone for what came in this gen in some ways. Jacob, would you perchance read out the forum feedback we have from Classic Tales 55, please? This was the first game I ever pre-ordered, which is something I've only done a handful of times, even in my irresponsible youth. I loved Asylum and City, so I was definitely excited enough to take the pre-order plunge. I booked the day off work, got a load of snacks ready, and waited at home on release day. The game never arrived! Not the game's fault, but maybe a part of my slight disillusionment with this title comes from this experience. I then read online that people were having issues with bugs and massive slowdown, which was rumored to be caused by using the fast travel feature. I decided to wait for a patch to come out before I reordered a copy. Many weeks later, I picked up the game. It was quite good, really, but not in the same league as the previous games. I liked the new Batman, great voice, and Batsuit. The Deathstroke fight was awesome, the best part of the game. I remember laughing at the Jingle Bells, Batman Smells thug probably a bit too much. But there were too many issues for me to love Origins as much as the others. Side note, the Cold Heart DLC is great, perhaps better than the actual main game. Yeah, I just thought that was kind of a a good place to put a pin in uh, starting to talk about the stuff about the game that's kind of similar to, that takes its lead from the prior games in the series Asylum and City. Because this does continue the series, um, it is, as those were, a third-person action-adventure slash brawler game. I think that's a fair kind of summation of the genre we're operating in here. As with City, it's set in an open world. And there are even some similar features between the map of Arkham City, a kind of subsection of Gotham City, and and this map of Gotham City. There's uh, certainly the giant Space Needle-type looking tower. I can't remember the name of the actual tower. Is is present and correct, which uh, forms part of the end of Arkham City. Uh, that's there, and there's obviously it's got some key areas that, that people would recognize. You visit um, the Sionis Steel in- Industries uh, steel mill, um, which is part of the city map as well. Penguins Club is... is there but he's not in it yet i don't think because he's using a boat but yeah it's got familiar kind of aspects to it how did you guys feel about the map either versus arkham city or just in general so i think um saying that it's different than than arkham city is kind of a given because the way that this map works is it's literally just arkham city's map Mm -hmm. plus another map kind of on top of it um that you have you have like the part that you're playing through in that game which is you know, slightly different because it had been turned into a crime den in that game. Yeah. Um, and then and then a big bridge. 
and then and then another map and for me this map is like nothing it's it's you know it's just like air like there there are almost no memorable aspects of it to me you know it's snowing which is is nice um kind of from a particle effect angle but like it means that basically the whole city seems to be the same dirty gray um which was something that was not in in arkham city or is a little more vibrant um and and especially the new section of the the map that they made for this game like i just couldn't tell you a single thing about it you know like theoretically it's a place where people live but like it 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 feels almost gray boxed you know that it's just like random rectangles put in with windows and and that's kind of and because you're only ever like flying above them they don't need to look like much but for me it just feels like it has no character whatsoever so i do agree with everything you're saying there jacob but i would say that arkham city's map is only slightly better in that regard <laughs> um i it's a little bit vibrant and a little bit um there are pockets of personality but when i compare arkham city's map to arkham asylum that location like that place is dripping with personality and for me it's just kind of been a a downward curve from there ever since and while i i would not dispute what you said it for me it feels like a trajectory that the series was already already put on by the the previous title mm-hmm. i just remember from from my first playthrough and i i think i was a little bit better about unlocking fast travel points in in this playthrough but from my first playthrough i just remember going over that bridge so many times <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i just yeah. it, and there's nothing on the bridge really i mean no. you have a couple of encounters on the bridge yeah. but mostly it's just you know, using your zip line or you're using your uh, your claw to just zip over it yeah. and it takes a couple of minutes and i don't know whether that's intended to make you prioritize unlocking fast travel points or whether they just kind of made it a little too long and didn't really think about it i suspect it's probably the latter but that that was one of the things that stuck with me yeah. uh, in a negative way unfortunately about about my first playthrough through uh origins i think it just feels like a loading time thing right yeah. like they just yeah, need yeah. to like render the other side of the city like josh i didn't really like the map of arkham city and i felt with this one I was going back and forth across the bridge to a less frustrating degree than I was going around that horseshoe U-shape when I could. I felt like I should just be able to zip across because uh, I think Penguin and Joker were on opposite ends of the horseshoe and you were kind of just... I, 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 for whatever reason, it didn't bother me as much, but yeah, the bridge is a weird one. I, I, felt, I found using the dive bomb and then coming back up actually meant that it wasn't quite as frustrating as yeah zipping with even if you use the um the launcher as you're grappling onto different parts of the bridge it does feel very slow going whereas once i kind of got back into the swing of diving down and then coming back up to kind of gain speed and height um that eased things a bit i'm still not bowled over by the map but i think possibly well come on to kind of the the scenario and the setting and the atmosphere of it but 
the atmosphere probably made up for this map not really having much over cities for me. So another thing that's pretty much, I think, I've put here present and correct question mark, uh, is, is the combat and the stealth mechanics. A lot of the, the encounters in the game are set up to either be stealthy, so enemies won't see you when you enter a room, and you're given lots of grates to hide under and vents to pass through and gargoyles or other kind of high up mounted positions um, where you can you can hide up there and zip around the room without them seeing you. Um, or as you enter a room, enemies will see you and immediately you're in a combat style scenario. Um, and the combat, I think, to me, didn't feel appreciably different necessarily but i'd love to know how uh, each of you felt about it because i'm the sort of player who can reliably get up to 2025 combo streak but then does something to lose it and very rarely will i get up into the echelons of 40 or 50 certainly in the early game before you get kind of multiplier extensions and stuff that can kind of help get higher up uh, whereas i suspect some of you might have fared better with the combo system than I. I um, I I think like the the fa- on a foundational level, it's it's as great as um as Arkham Cities, and I like as much as I prefer um Asylum overall. Hmm. I do think this aspect, the brawler uh, side of the game, um City took and really evolved hmm. and and improved upon and um all of that all of those improvements are still there i will say that um i think the the gadgets that you use in combat Mm -hmm. are less interesting than like you have the ice grenade in um in arkham city which was really cool uh both for both for stealth and for brawling um like you have like the concussion grenade in this which is not that great and then you've also got Yeah, it doesn't it's not do great. anything. It like yeah. makes them swing um, around. Yeah. And then you've got like the electric fists that you get later mm. on, which just felt like a power up. Yeah. Like they're good, they're effective and they're useful, but they kind of felt like a a stronger beam like that you would get in like Metroid or yeah, um or uh, or Mega Man or something. It's not necessarily like changing the way you play in the same way, like the yeah. the grappling hook and the and the, the ice grenade and the uh, and and other like the the electric uh, gun. I forgot what it was called. The electric gun in City. Mm-hmm. Like they actually changed the way you approached enemies, whereas those just kind of were a punch amplifier. Yeah, they just um, cut the number of hits it takes to knock an enemy yeah. out in half or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and they they actually make it less interesting because all of the enemies that you would previously have to do something special to, like the guys with the shields or the stun batons, mm. you can just like punch them. Yeah. You know, you yeah, don't yeah, you yeah. don't need to play around them anymore. I would say my my biggest problem with the combat system is like the combat systems in in all of these games is like. Uh, pretty untouchable once you kind of like get all of your abilities mm-hmm. but this game just seems so intent on not giving you things like you know this is this is coming from someone who's spent you know a hundred hours in in these games combined and so i, I start on hard and i want to just like get you know i want all of my tools so i can use them and and for some unfathomable reason to me in the combat like tree 
the first four skills that you have to unlock yeah. are health upgrades one through four. Yeah. Like they're not even they're not even spaced out. It's like 25 percent, 50, 75, 100 more health. And then you can start doing things. And I just for the for the life of yeah. me can't figure out why they would make that the case yeah, it, it it's just baffling I, I do definitely agree with that 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 in particular because in order to get to the upgrades that you can have which reduces from i think eight to five the number your combo before you get a a, a instant knockout move so you're got your multiple takedown options which are pressing any combination of two face buttons essentially there's four different ones it takes a while to unlock some of those other ones, but even the one you have, uh, which is B and Y to start with, which is just an instant takedown, you grapple someone and knock them out immediately. It feels like you should either take extra armor or extra health, as it, event, as it essentially is, or you should be upgrading to be able to more quickly take enemies down. Yeah, it is a little baffling yeah. that those are in the same like tree because you have different trees that you can pick upgrades mm. from, but for some reason your kind of armor upgrades and your combat upgrades are in the same tree yeah. and that that seems like it could have been So yeah, and it's and it's not just upon. your armor that you have to upgrade. You've actually in order to get that reduction in the multiplier before you get your instant takedown, um you have to upgrade all of your um melee armor and all of your uh bulletproof armor in order you've got to up upgrade both of those trees in order to then be able to do so it's it is like 10 upgrade points you've got to put into this before you can get to the point where you yeah. can reduce that and it it does feel like it like it looks like you've got lots of options but one of your three trees isn't upgraded by putting points into it it's upgraded by doing different challenges and stuff and the other two that you've got Again, it feels like I'm having to upgrade stuff I don't really want to upgrade in order to get to the stuff that I do, yeah. which wouldn't be a problem if it was just once or twice, but if it feels like I'm having to put four or five or ten points into stuff before I get to it. It really does feel like a frustratingly delayed uh, gratification on, on getting those abilities. And and I think like and 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 Jacob was hinting at this. Um, and uh, it's especially aggravating because this is not a problem either Asylum or City yeah. have yeah. because you just get you know uh, um with both of those games you're a, you're presented with a slew of different upgrades right from the word yeah. go. You don't have to go through a bunch to get to the one you want. You can prioritize health. You can mm. prioritize armor. Or you can prioritize fancy new abilities. Yeah. Like you, you, you are given so much more choice. And um, you know, for for starting out saying I like this game, I've been really negative <laughs> on this game so far. I blame Jacob, um, but um, um, but yeah, I I do think they basically they they broke something that was you know was already fixed, as it were. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can see that. And and like you, Josh, I kind of feel like. The nuts and bolts of the combat are all there. I've heard some complaints that it feels a little more sluggish. I didn't feel that, but then I, I accept that I'm maybe not good enough at the combat to notice whether that's the case. Sorry, you were going to say, Josh. No, I I, I was just agreeing with you. I think that the, the one area, and this is kind of 
segueing us into the the other side of the game i think the one area that is notably weaker um uh is the predator stealth for me um and it's it it comes down to the the level design mm. um i think like for me arkham asylum is still like the the strongest in the yeah. series in terms of these predator sections i think the the map layouts and the opportunities for taking out um uh joker's minions in that game were just really strong and um city was decent um but it felt like they they were more in love with the brawler combat than the predator stealth in that game and um they, they were fun but it just it felt like the levels weren't quite as considered mm. um as they were in uh in uh arkham asylum with the exception of the the mr freeze uh boss fight arena um Whereas with this, it really feels like a step down. I feel like it felt very cookie cutter in the Predator stealth sections. They're all serviceable. Yeah, you get into a, a big room and it's like, well, okay, I guess I'm hanging a dude from each one of these gargoyles then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's go. Which I really and enjoyed it... and was upset when they started putting mines on the gargoyles. But um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but but it's not very it's not very innovative, I guess. Uh, well, or, d dynamic is yeah, the word I, I, I think, think that's, I that's was thinking of. Like, Asylum forces you to adopt different tactics, and it and it manages your resources in terms of your gadgets in such a way that you don't yeah. just lean on the same tactics mm -hmm. for every single enemy. And I just, I just felt like these these maps. I was never like not. I mean, until like towards the very end, I was really not in much danger at all. Yeah. Um, and I could just kind of rinse and repeat a lot of tactics, regardless of like how many how many uh, gadgets I had left, because um, like just conventional tactics are effective enough that I didn't need to need to use them. Yeah, yeah. and I think for for anyone listening um, who maybe doesn't feel that, that that what Josh you've just said is true, I I struggle to. I struggle to think of a time when I didn't just resort to hopping around the gargoyles and stringing people up and then cutting them down to free up the space on the gargoyle to do it again. Like the the speed with which I arrived at a rinse and repeat strategy of just hanging people up from gargoyles is so much quicker in this game than others. And I think the difference uh, isn't just that when Asylum forced the player to use different tactics. But actually, there was times when I entered a room through a grate, through a vent, and that had me on the ground with maybe an enemy in front of me to deal with, rather than just always walking through a door. And in order to know what's going on, the first thing I have to do is get up to a gargoyle. Yeah, you're just mashing R1 the yeah, second you so open anything. It, it present, Asylum presented me with different opportunities. Even if I did walk through a door, plenty of times there would be a vent right next to me that I would go into before I would immediately see the RB prompt and, and get up high. So it just it presented information to the player and put the player in different positions just through the design of each room and each encounter. Whereas thinking back to playing this game, not back to, I was playing it today, every time I walked into a room, the first thing I saw was an RB up to a gargoyle because I walked in through the door and was generally up above already where all the enemies were. And that be, that being the case every time meant I was never, until Gargoyles started getting blown up, I was never forced to or invited to 
look at alternatives for that, which is a shame because it meant that, yeah, I, I rarely used anything that was resource constrained. I'm not sure that I would have minded the always being above the the enemies if if there were some kind of option to just completely stealth your way through the room and get out the other side without actually fighting. Yeah. And I don't think that there generally is. I think usually you're I, I mean you can you can stealth around and have your methods of taking out the enemies be stealthy yeah. and you know try and be unseen and all that but you do have to deal with them all before you are able to leave that room again yeah one thing i did want to kind of focus on a little bit was the we've mentioned it already the the shot gloves but uh sean s thomas on the forums left us a bit of feedback that i think's pertinent it felt a bit odd that Batman had better gadgets in this game than the sequels, and I feel a slight opportunity was lost to have Bruce Wayne use a tighter, more basic inventory that explained how his kit developed before Asylum. Playing on Wii U meant I also got a handy map and the electro-powered gloves, which I had to ban myself from using due to making the combat unbalanced. Now, I've put in a note here because I, I double-took when I read that, and I went and did a little bit of homework and realised... um. The Wii U version having the bonus electro shock gloves was actually for Arkham City, the armored edition. That was the notable addition to the Wii U version, which is interesting because that's clearly where WB Montreal kind of test ran those electric gloves as yeah. a dry run for this game, if you like. But I think the sentiment here from Sean S. Thomas is still perfectly reasonable. I stopped myself using the shock gloves because it meant it was taking away the combat and even if I'm getting hit once every 25 uh, hits of my own um, even if I'm not struggling through combat but not as fluid at it as others might be I'm still having fun with the combat it's one of the great aspects of this game that has been reproduced in many many other games and so the notion of powering something up to reduce the amount of combat I'm doing kind of seems weird. I'm not sure if there's a way around that, but I completely agree um, with with what we've all pretty much said up to this point, which is those shot gloves almost seem overpowered to the point of being four players who are struggling, great, if, if it makes it more fun and enjoyable to suddenly have the upper hand even more. But it kind of felt almost antithetical to this game where Batman's supposed to be struggling. He's almost his own worst enemy because he is running into a fist over and over again in order to get some sense beaten into him almost. Um, so yeah, it just seemed weird that, that that as far as a new gadget goes is kind of the the headline and is kind of such a, a, a bummer for me just to not want to use them. Um, uh, I'll yeah. play. I'll play a little bit of devil's yeah, advocate yeah. here and say you 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 don't get them until pretty late in the game. Sure, um, yeah. about two thirds. It's, yeah. it's maybe two thirds yeah. of the way through. Um, so I mean, it's not. I I did not find it to be that unbalanced. Also, I didn't really use them unless I was in like a longer fight. You do have to charge them up, and it doesn't take very long, so that's not really a barrier per se. But I found that the most uh, useful they were for me mm -hmm. was in places where, like, when you start running into the, the Venom enemies uh, as regular enemies yeah. and not just as a boss fight, I would sometimes use it for something like that yeah. or maybe for a boss fight to, if, if you know, because some of those boss fights are a little bit long and you there generally are not uh, any kind of mid 
tier or mid uh mid fight checkpoints or anything like that yeah um which again not usually a problem but i i, I don't think they are very powerful but i did not find them to be completely unbalanced okay. yeah yeah i think um yeah. for the bane fight where bane's tough on his mm-hmm. own the first bane fight i should say um when you get sort of thrown out the onto the snowy rooftop um yeah but it's nice to be able to deal with the additional enemies in almost one punch knockout types type scenario mm-hmm. it feels very quick to get rid of them so yeah 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 okay we've kind of covered gadgets quite a bit but one aspect of this game i touched on with the upgrade system is that one of the trees is almost entirely locked behind um a dark knight challenge system which if you don't take the time to sort of delve into every so often on your screen it'll just pop up to say you've completed another challenge um i i'm gonna say just straight off the bat i i didn't look at what those challenges were if one popped up, great. I just ignored it otherwise. Um, but uh, I'm about to read a quick piece from Classic Tales again, which explains a little bit of why, if you did take an interest, it maybe wasn't actually all that uh, satisfying. Um, so Classic Tales 55 again on our forum says, uh, regarding the Dark Knight system, I have forgotten I'm Batman because now I have anxiety about getting these all finished in one playthrough. These challenges restricted how I played the game. They have to be done in order, but the required predator rooms don't respawn, meaning there are limited chances to complete certain tasks. Important skills and gear are locked behind this system. Missed one? You'll have to do it on the harder New Game Plus or start a new save. This should have been tested and fixed before release. Um, I, I, I presume it was tested, and I presume it operated as the developers thought it should, but that sounds really frustrating to me not to have at least kind of a rolling checklist that you can check off in any order but to have to do them in specific order seems i'm I'm almost glad i didn't look into how to do any of these challenges um did any of you pay any particular attention to knocking these challenges off trying to get through them all um jacob you seem most likely given you said you were in the challenge rooms a lot was that something that you did in the main game as well Right. Well, it's it's actually just another good example of this game like not letting you do things is that there are abilities that are are locked behind those challenges and and maybe, you know, if you kind of like didn't look at them, then you wouldn't even know that like this is something that you were missing yeah. out, but like you could see the rewards that you would get for doing these things, but they yeah, they I they could not have been more frustratingly mm. implemented in that like they didn't it rarely like showed up on your screen like hey you know looks like you've hit 10 guys in a row if you hit five more without getting hit you'll get this challenge like they didn't do that you had to go into the menu and and look at what was next and yeah there were i don't know a hundred of them but you could only ever work on five at a time or four at a time because that's how many categories there were so yeah i just like it seems like this game wants you to spend a whole long time doing a lot of things so that you can actually get to play it (laughs) and and that's one of one of the examples of that in my first playthrough i did some of the the challenge stuff and and also like the uh i think they're the ar challenges is that what they're called yeah yeah the the red uh, uh, bat symbol Yeah, yeah yeah 
Yeah, I, and I did some of that, and I did a lot more of the side <laughs> stuff. This time, I didn't, I, because I was playing on an easier difficulty, yeah. I didn't really need to, so I kind of just skipped past that and, and was just focusing on the main storyline. But I, I didn't get as invested in it as I sometimes do with games that are a little bit more open. Um, I think because it almost seems to push you away from from trying to do that all in one playthrough. I don't know whether maybe they were aiming for, uh, well, people will come back for a new game plus and yeah. try to focus on that now. I, I don't know if that was the case or if it just didn't work out the way that they might have thought it would. But mm. uh, yeah, I, I didn't, it did not grab me really at all. Unfortunately, I will interject here to say that um, when I started this, I am um, certain I saw a message saying you could only play new game plus if you beat the game on normal or hard. So had you playing this time around on easy, even completed the campaign, you wouldn't have been able to go into New Game Plus and do it, which is another kind of odd choice there. Um, We've talked about stuff that's the same between this game and previous games in the series, but something that this game specifically added new to the series and it persisted as the series went forward was uh, detective set pieces. We've used detective mode throughout this series. It's a big part of the series being able to identify enemies and opportunities in the room. Um, But this game takes detective mode and builds it into small spaces where you're reconstructing crime scenes. Um, You're reconstructing by finding bits of evidence around the room, and it builds together a timeline that you can fast forward and rewind through to find more evidence as you go through. Um, There are little puzzle sequences that I think it's fair to say, and please correct me if I'm wrong, leans on... Batman's role as the world's greatest detective a little bit more than we've seen in previous iterations of the franchise. You've certainly done some searching around in detective mode, but actually reconstructing a series of events is something we haven't seen before. Let's start off with with Leah. Um, How did you feel about these sequences? I was a little disappointed, Mm -hmm. actually, because I I agree that that's what they were going for. Uh, Having Batman, you know, called out as as a great detective but it it didn't feel like the player really had much to do with that <laughs> like you yeah, were kind of yeah. just looking for the little red triangle and sure. scanning it yeah uh and and then he would go off on a monologue about how you know the dna evidence and the you you didn't actually have to put anything together and this is not necessarily that kind of game but since it's not really that kind of game i i almost wonder why they put it in there at all if they were only going to you know, just kind of gloss yeah. over the surface of it. Like, I, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna be Phoenix Wright, then by God, I want to be Phoenix Wright. <laughs> like, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's a, it's an interesting idea that I don't think was fully implemented okay. in a way that yeah. I liked. Yeah, I, th- I think that's all entirely fair. Um, yeah. How about Josh? How did you feel about these? Sequ- I like these. Mm-hmm. I, li- I, I like these quite a bit. I don't necessarily disagree with what Leah yeah. said, <laughs> but I'm, I'm comparing it to what was but what was kind of passed as detective work in the previous two games and it was just find the perfume and then (laughs) sniff your way to an objective um um which is that's not detective work and and like i i totally get where you're coming from leah to a certain at a certain point this is kind of just like an interactive movie but i kind of liked that i felt like Batman was actually doing something like it felt like he was actually constructing a narrative and 
um you know using um information he had on the ground to figure out where someone could be or where what's what happened yeah. or what have you mm. rather than just like follow the the red mist or, um, or punching the information object. out of someone which is kind <laughs> yeah, of what, exactly. which he still does which he i still mean does he does a lot, he does a lot. <laughs> yeah he does a lot of that um yeah and um and and this just like you know part of me being you know uh, a batman fan mm. and 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 really loving um you know batman the animated series yep. this felt like a like something that would happen in batman the animated series yeah. specifically the movies don't tend to have as much room to explore this side of the 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 character but the tv series definitely kind of had those quieter moments where it was just batman just sitting there going right what what's up what's going on and i yeah. just i liked having that part of the character reflected in the experience even if it is relatively limited in terms of like what the mm. player can do the only one i remember is is the one where um the the, the woman's hanging from the chandelier and, yep. and someone shoots her and like that's the, that's, first one, that's yeah. the kind of big set piece none of the other ones were memorable for me at all what, what yep. were the other ones that you did uh, well, there's so the one where you're uh, just before the boss fight with uh, Copperhead, where you have to find the poison so that you can um, uh, have Albert, Albert, Alfred synthesize an antidote for you. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, that's the only other one I remember actually. What was the third one? I so think there's there's there's, there's def so there may only be three in the mainline story, but there's definitely mm. others. So. You have to do a bit of um, reconstruction, I think, in the Shiva quest. But the other notable one, I think, that people will likely remember if they did this is uh, there is a point at which you get an SOS call. You turn up there and you find that it was a planted SOS call by the police to lure Batman. And as they are trying to apprehend you, the tail of their helicopter blows off and they mm -hmm. crash. And you have to reconstruct and you find that the shot was a ricochet from a good long distance away and it's you follow that back and find Deadshot and work out where he is. So oh, uh yeah. that that's kind of a cool one because you're you're not within such a tight area there. Uh in the first one in uh, Sionis's apartment, you're literally in a fairly small space like you've laid out a floor space for VR trying to sort of work out what's going on whereas this one you're moving between buildings and tracking a bullet trajectory um back to its origin. Um so it, it requires a little bit more movement around and a little bit more kind of logically working out where something might be in order to find the red triangle, but you're still finding the red triangle. It's just not two feet away from you. I, the thing that I like to think about it, because again, as Josh says, I can't argue with any of your complaints with it, Leah, is very much here is the icon, go over, hold this button, you know, LT or RT through the timeline to find the next one. Um, but I like the fact that it... it broke the pace occasionally of mm -hmm. not just flying after the next icon on the map. Okay, it broke it by having you walk to the next icon on the floor, but it just slowed things down a bit and, and gave some breathing space in the same way that Josh, you're saying, allowed the, the TV series, or several of the different TV series really, were able to do that kind of where in a TV series you'd interject a conversation, but in a game conversations quickly become passive. This was an active way to have Batman slow down and work out what's going on rather than just, I'm going to the next objective. 
which is i mean it's more of an interactive cutscene. i think yeah, for me yeah. maybe it's not as bad when you look at it that way but yeah I, I i didn't think it was bad i just didn't think that it went far enough i think sure. is, is what i'm getting at you wanted batman in a courtroom presenting a case kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah i wanted an yeah. objection button like yeah. i yeah. i don't know <laughs> Or, or I guess, an ability to piece evidence together in a way that creates the narrative rather than just click on the evidence yeah. and have the narrative. Yeah, I can see. Yeah, it's, no, there, there not that a... reasonable suggestion. <laughs> I want full Batman and Phoenix also an objection right. button. Yes, um, no, I, I just it, it, it. I think that it would have hmm. felt more gamey to me almost yeah. if if I had if I needed to actually do something some kind of deduction or if i had some kind sure. of choice yeah, yeah. but it, it's it is just a straight line it is you find these and then you hit the button and he says okay here's what happened and that's fine it's just not it, it's i don't know it didn't it didn't feel very engaging to me yeah usually would put this right up front but i wanted to <laughs> selfishly save the story stuff for last because as I've said, I can't really disagree with any of the complaints that Jacob or, or Leah or even Josh have raised uh, about this game up to this point. But I, the stuff I really like about it is its atmosphere and story. And some of that comes from the influences that this game takes from. Now, obviously, Batman Arkham Asylum, we covered in issue 101. I've got in the notes here, so I can tell you it's 101. And Batman Arkham City, we covered in issue 105. They are obvious touchstones, and the the things that Rocksteady took from Batman's canon to build those apply equally. But there are specific pieces of, of Batman um, history that, that particularly resonate, I think, in this. And there may be many more, but these are ones that I, either via Wikipedia in one case, uh, Batman Legends of the Dark Knight, which is multiple different strands of comics that kind of come together but aren't necessarily all linked like side stories and mini-series and that kind of stuff, mini-stories, as it were. Um, but two touchstones I would pull out and and kind of hold up were uh, Batman Year One. Um, this almost, I, I think it actually is listed as being pitched as a kind of Batman Year Two story. It's not him literally donning the cowl and the cape, but it's supposed to be in that earlier realm of he's still finding his feet He's got all the tech and he knows what he's trying to do, but he doesn't necessarily have his methods and, and his way of doing that down pat just yet. Um, I think it's literally year two. Somebody, I, and yeah. I believe it's the Joker, uh, says at some point, you've been doing this for, what, two years? Uh, yeah. That's part of something that I just played. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I think... Yeah. It is quite early on in his yeah, uh, yeah. vigilante career. So uh, on that basis, despite the fact Bruce Wayne's character model does not look anything like it, I'm guessing he's supposed to be early 20s because he's been, there's a lot of discussion about him having been away uh, during his teenage years, but then coming back and finding his feet with the the Wayne Foundation and, the, and Wayne Enterprises. Um, and then Batman has appeared. So... Uh, he's supposed to be still a fairly young man um, and the story leans on the notion that he is still very angry about his parents death and angry about the level of corruption he sees around him in, in Gotham um, and that's definitely a, a big plot point um, for for this game um, the other which it's probably just the fact it's set at Christmas uh, Batman Returns it's tough to think of Batman in the snow without thinking of of the second Tim Burton Batman film. But having said that, I mean, 
penguins in this, I guess. There's not really any story touchstones or anything that you'd really uh, pull for for this game from that. It really is just the Christmas setting. So I wondered if we could talk about that, what I've called Christmas noir setting. Is the Christmas kind of aesthetic just a musical note here and some snow there, or is it more than that? Um, it's the first one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to to me, there is um, Batman drops the guy on a Christmas tree, and Alfred keeps trying to get him to eat Christmas dinner, and it's snowing. And other than that, Christmas is an excuse for no one to be walking around the streets. That's that's all it feels like to me. Um, but. It, I don't think it necessarily needs to be more than that. Um, you know, it can be a Christmas movie like or a Christmas game like Die Hard is a Christmas movie, but it but it doesn't feel like much to me. Die Hard is the best Christmas movie. Um, so I, I, what I will say is that um, I I agree, but also I will say that I think it's it's admirable for keeping the thread through kind of the entire aesthetic like the aesthetic is very cohesive mm-hmm. um like it it might only it might be that that's all it is but it is kind of everywhere like you you when you go into buildings you know they're all done up for christmas and they have uh gifts in hallways and you know that's part of joker's whole shtick is that he's you know he's giving gifts to people that are terrible gifts and there's that whole sequence where he has you know the the christmas presents on his table and uh and blows up a building because yeah, they're he, all plungers for he explosives gets to, yeah, yeah exactly i i i i don't i don't think that it's super deep but i i think it fits pretty well i i i think it works purely from a kind of tone mm-hmm. perspective like it snow is very pretty but it, it's also very oppressive mm-hmm. um i always associate snow with stuff like uh fargo and the thing <laughs> and other films where the snow is not you know just there to to be pretty it's there to represent like like the you know just how trapped people are in in a specific environment and kind of using snow as like a like not literally but kind of like figuratively feeling like you know uh batman is in a claustrophobic situation where he's being slowly um slowly uh hemmed in by all these these assassins trying to trying to take him out it's 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 I, I just think it's effective at creating that tone. Uh but other than that, it it's it's not really symbolic of anything. Uh I disagree. I okay. think it might be on the nose and or I'm reading way too much into it, but part of the, the theme of this game is that Batman is in many ways isolating himself. He's got a police officer who could help that Alfred points out several times could help and he refuses to. He, I mean, basically yells at Alfred, balls him out, as Leas, you said, is mean beyond meanness to him. He is trying to distance himself from people that he may otherwise be able to lean on and or care about. Um, so that notion of this, of Gotham City in its entirety being just hemmed in by snow where to the point where people aren't on the streets. I, I have a big problem with um, the reasons why people 
members of the public, citizens who aren't criminals or Batman, aren't out on the streets in Arkham City and in Arkham Knight. I never had that problem with this, and I don't know why. It probably is just me subconsciously choosing to to uh, bend and flex a little bit in my brain the, the kind of headcanon I have. And I don't know why I'm not with those other two games, but the notion that Batman is not just being isolated, but he's isolating himself at a time of year when, even as someone who is mostly atheistic, but celebrates Christmas because I'm a hypocrite, um, Christmas is a time for family for me. And, and to see Batman at a time when his enemies are uniting against him, at least ostensibly that's how it looks. Several of uh, assassins have been brought together. They are uniting against him to get rid of him. He is isolating himself and needs to learn that he needs to, and not in a family kind of way, although Bat Family is a thing, and in this we have um, James Gordon, we have Barbara Gordon, we have Alfred there. You know, we have the makings of a set of people that he can start to lean on who can help him, who understand him and can help to keep him on the straight and narrow, and he's pushing that away on Christmas, which is a time when you would think you would overcome that barrier and kind of do the opposite. Um, So I think there is something there of the thematic side to why it's Christmas. I don't think it has to be. I think Joker's sleigh ride could just be a Joker's funhouse in any other, you know, if it was set at a different time of year. I Yeah, I don't think it had to be, but I like that it is. And Batman at Christmas works for me. Maybe it's a Batman Returns thing, but the atmosphere carried me through a lot of what it sounds like uh, Jacob were, were, well, not all of, some of your complaints about the game. I was just for whatever reason, because I'm an idiot, uh, able to forgive immediately because I really liked the atmosphere that the Christmas setting gave to this game. I'm probably reaching too much with the thematic stuff, but that's kind of no. I how like it. Works it. In my head. I'm, <laughs> I am. I I view it more positively now than I did five minutes <laughs> <Okay>. ago. <laughs> then I've I've done my work in that two minute section where I was talking. Um, Okay, we've got a couple of pieces of forum feedback on this. Uh, Jacob, could you take the first piece from Dusk versus Tweak? Yeah, they say, I think because I have such an affinity for Batman Returns, I'm always partial to a good Batman Christmas story. One of the complaints I've seen go around about Origins is that the city itself is fairly sparse on life, but to me, it captured the lonely emptiness of the streets on Christmas Eve. It helps hammer home the point that Batman has nothing else to do on this holiday. Maybe this is the reason that I can't relate because I'm always in a Chinese restaurant on Christmas Eve. So. Yeah, I, I think I, I'm not often out on Christmas Eve, but I don't get the impression it's all that quiet with people doing last minute shopping or, you know, traveling to the family or whatever. But yeah. Having been for many, many years mm. a retail worker on Christmas Eve, yeah. that's BS right there. <laughs> I think it's a perception people have who maybe are True. slightly more organized and. Uh, lucky enough not to have to work on christmas eve maybe <laughs> um yeah and josh would you read sean s thomas's next piece of feedback please for the life of me i don't understand why this is the forgotten child of the arkham series i presume it's because rocksteady didn't make it but i far prefer origins to city Asylum was a tight, atmospheric game that perfectly captured the tone of the animated series and comic books. It would have struggled to better replicate what this Batman fan wanted from a video game at the time. 
Origins gets criticised for being rough and empty compared to City. I get the former point as the combat is a little less tight and the inventory selection is irritating, but I didn't find the latter a problem. If anything, I found it a huge benefit. I can see why it got that reputation. Gotham feels far quieter, more panoramic and at times almost film noir here. It's not got the vibrant neon or sense of the streets being abandoned in a hurry that City had, but I found it far more eerie and akin to the incarnations of Batman I prefer. Also, the reason for the empty streets in both City and Origins is equally contrived, but I really liked approaching cops in Origins, never quite knowing if they would be needing my help or seeking to ambush me. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's um, worth probably just clarifying. We've talked about it's set on Christmas Eve. It's set on Christmas Eve in Gotham City, where this is Gotham City before we've seen it at a distance in Arkham Asylum, but before we saw it kind of carved up in Arkham City, and before Batman's fully established. So organised crime is rampant. Obviously, Black Mask, I've mentioned, Penguin plays a role. The Falcone family pop up in uh, small roles. Um but also the police are incredibly mistrustful, and not just the corrupt police. Some of all of the police are are deeply skeptical about Batman's existence, and certainly skeptical about whether he's there to actually help at all. As far as they're concerned, he is dangerous, and they will quickly turn their guns and/or attentions towards him negatively. Um, the other part of that setup that's worth mentioning is I mentioned Black Mask. Um, Black Mask was pitched as the primary antagonist of this game. Uh, we'll get onto the story and why that doesn't turn out to be the case uh, in, in short uh, order. But Black Mask has sent eight assassins after Batman with a bounty of $50 million on Batman's head for whichever assassin uh, takes him out. And it's not just assassins looking to cash in on that. Uh, various henchmen and police are also at points during the game discussing whether or not they could be the one to take down Batman for the, the payout. Um, that's kind of the setup for the story, but then the story obviously goes on uh, beyond that. It's a prequel to Arkham Asylum, and as mentioned, kind of fits as a year two story, but the eight assassins, some of them we have met before in previous games, most of them we haven't. There is maybe some inconsistency with how certain assassins appear. Killer Croc looks pretty different to how he was in Arkham Asylum, I think it's fair to say. Bane looks very different and, and appears to be an entirely different character. Almost, There's almost an explanation for that in the story, but they they go further, I think, than just this is a prequel to Arkham Asylum uh, in some of this stuff. In terms of the setup for the story, and then we can branch off into how it develops after that, how did you guys feel about this? Was this exciting to you to have eight sort of known Batman enemies up against him in this game? Feels a little bit contrived because mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. it's I, I am I have never really been um, a DC fan yeah. as much as Marvel, really. Um, and, and that's not to say that I, I don't know anything about Batman. If I, if there's any really character DC wise that I had read some stuff about previously, it yeah. would probably be Batman. <laughs> um, but I, I'm not 
completely up on my lore, uh, but most of these even I have, you know, heard of or yeah. seen in the films or whatever. Um, the one thing that I did want to kind of uh, bring back up it related to something that you said, James, yeah. um, I seem to remember that when the game was new or, you know, close to release, at least it they kind of not exactly hid the fact that Joker was the true big yeah. bad in in the game, but they they kind of um they they downplayed it a lot. Like it was supposed to be a bit of a surprise. Is that something that you guys remember too, or uh, yeah, was that yeah? And and it seems yeah. it seems odd going back now because I mean it's it's not that far into it's the really storyline. Yeah, way earlier yeah, than I remembered. That, because they, I mean, you don't you don't see Joker for a while, but his name is mentioned a couple of times pretty early on, and uh, yeah, I just it's it's interesting that, I, I, and I I think that it was, I think that it was more of like a well, Mark Hamill's not doing the voice in this one, so clearly that means there's no Joker. Well, no, not exactly. <laughs> uh, it's Troy Baker doing his best Mark Hamill impression, which is pretty good <laughs> to be fair. Um, he he he. Uh, both of the <laughs> main characters are are I well I thought he was I I, I, I tend to agree with dissent. Julia but I I guess Josh disagrees and to be fair yeah. I, my 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 problem I, it's a fine impression <laughs> it's a fine impression but the problem is it's an impression it is yes he is doing sure. an impression of Mark <laughs> Hamill's performance and all I'm thinking is. Wow, I I'd really rather be listening to Mark Hamill. I want I want the original. Yeah. I want the pure uncut Mark Hamill. And and the thing is I'm not against other people playing the character. I just like if you're going to get new voice actors in and like, you know, it's not just the new voice actors, like the style of the game is really different as well. They 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 change the art direction significantly. Batman doesn't look like the roided up Gears of War character <laughs> he looks like in uh, Asylum and mm. City. None of these characters look that way anymore. Like they've gone for a more realistic pro realistically proportioned crowd in mm. this game. So why not take an opportunity to let people experiment with the voices a little bit? Um like the guy, I've forgotten his name. The, the 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 actor who plays Batman in this game, who's not Kevin Conroy. I think he is clearly do, just doing his own take on Batman. I don't think it's quite as great as Kevin. Con I mean, Kevin Con Conroy is Batman, but it's it's fine. Like it's it's his own take. It's not. It doesn't feel like a imitation. Um, but that, like, there are other, you know, there are other voice actors who have done the the Joker and done really good takes on the Joker, like John DiMaggio's Joker, um, in the animated film the the Red Hood, is a really good take on the Joker. So I just, I, I kind of wish they'd just taken the opportunity to let someone else kind of take the wheel and run with it, rather than just like, and I feel like this is a a direction thing rather than. Something I I lay at Troy Baker's uh, at Troy Baker's feet. I think they basically told him do Mark Hamill. Yeah. Um, but it I do find that slightly I don't know creatively bankrupt. Like, come on, let him let him do something different. My guess would be that since this is a new game in an existing series, but done by new people, both cast wise and developer wise. 
they may have just been trying to make that there are two ways that you could go with this, right? You could try and make it as close to the original series as possible, or you could go in a completely different direction. And they chose the former. They chose to try and make it stick with in, in large part. And, you know, obviously there are several places where, where they don't, but in large part, I think that they really made the creative decision to try and stick with what, Rocksteady had done previously and that includes Mark Hamill as the voice actor and it's funny because I <laughs> I was uh my mom and I actually were having a discussion about the Joker um <laughs> just yesterday and my contention was that I think one of the strongest points about Joker as a character is that when people both comic writers and actors and voice actors you know, when they come to this character, it's like everybody wants to put their own spin on it. Everybody wants to, you know, have a different take and it's all coming from the same place. But it, it here, I, 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 while I think that the, the Troy, the Troy Baker doing um, Mark Hamill is a very good Mark Hamill impression. I do actually agree with Josh when he says that, you know, it, it could have been something else. Um, it wasn't in this case, and and I think that that's okay. Um, but it, I wonder what it could have been if they had like completely recast this whole thing, uh, and and not not necessarily recast as in you know the the voice actors would have had to have been different, but recast as in given the role to Troy Baker or whoever, and said you know okay, well, what do you think Joker sounds like? Yeah, and and my disappointment with that is um exacerbated further because i really love what they did with bane in this game um i think bane is such a huge improvement from his appearance in asylum um in asylum it felt like they were drawing more from uh bane in batman in uh batman and robin rather than bane as he exists in the comic books and and other incarnations um bane in this strongest batman movie (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, um, Bane. In, Bane in this feel. Oh, I think obviously the Dark Knight Rises plays a part in this. Mm. Um, the, that film came out before this game came out. If I'm correct, yeah, no, that did it? yeah, yes, it oh, did. Wow. Um, so I think um, uh, they were influenced somewhat by Tom Hardy's portrayal of Bane in that film, but also this this portrayal of Bane feels closer to his appearances in in the animated series which is you know that's that's bane for me that's what bane should be and um just having that smart tactician rather than just a giant strongman is it was such a pleasure to actually see that in a video game adaptation versus his his uh his um uh, locust uh, berserker appearance in Alchem Asylum. And I actually like how they they kind of they do acknowledge that in the storyline uh, and give a potential like James was saying, uh, a potential explanation as to why he would have been kind of just the the big dumb bad guy in the other movies which is, the, or in the other, haha, in the other games, um, which is you, towards the end of the game when you're trying to track him down, you do find evidence that he is now physically dependent on the Venom 
that he uses and that it is having an effect on him both mentally and physically. Like it's, it's deteriorating him and he's trying to kind of get out of that cycle. He's trying to make himself not dependent on it anymore and is not having much luck. But I, I think that you can definitely draw a line there and maybe I'm giving them too much credit, but, um, but I, I liked that they, that they put that in there so that you could kind of draw the line. Of, oh, okay. Well, maybe the reason that he is not as, intelligent a character and doesn't quite have that that benefit to him is that the venom has kind of destroyed his mind as he's gone on can i uh can i change topics a little bit to talk about batman himself here um yeah if no one told me this was a prequel i would not have known it from his actions that's that's kind of where i'm at with this game and it's it's one of my major complaints with it and and we kind of mentioned earlier, it's like, ah, you know, it's year two and you can see that he's like angry. And to me, Batman being angry is not like a sign that he's new with this. <laughs> like, that's just kind of all he does is he's like mad about stuff and there are different reasons that he's mad about stuff. But like, I, I kept waiting for him to be afraid or for him to back down or for him to like you know it's like his him being young in this game is him being kind of like headstrong and not listening to anyone else and like that just feels exactly like the batman from arkham city to me like it it yeah it, it it does not there are so many things that you can do with the beginning of your main character and I just kind of don't feel like this game did any of them. And and it's it's weird to me. It, it, it's it, I was confused as I was playing through it why they continued to just kind of like it seemed like they were afraid of making him not seem cool. You know, like he just he was just like more brutal than he was before. And that was because he was new. I don't know. I I think I, I I by the way I agree with everything you're saying Jacob but I think the problem is and and this is a problem with a lot of Batman media is that ultimately the Joker if he is in the same uh media as Batman is almost like it, it fated to overshadow him <laughs> and it, and it feels like writers are just way more interested in exploring the Joker than Batman himself um, it's a problem with The Dark Knight. As much as I love that film, like that film is more in love with Joker as a character than than Batman himself. Um, it's a problem with uh, like a lot of media. I'm blanking on it, but it, like it's it's commonly observed that like if Joker appears, then uh, Batman as char- Batman's characterization is going to take a bit of a backseat. And I feel like. Th- as much as I kind of like the twist, and I think it's something you can only do once with, you know, oh, it was, you know, it was the Black Mask. We were making you think it was the Black Mask, and actually it's the Joker. It's it's a neat twist, but I'm kind of disappointed a little bit that they went back to the Joker well again. I liked it in City. I thought Joker's dynamic in that game in particular was actually really, really strong. And I was just... But the thing is, Batman has such a strong rogues gallery. He has, like, 
easily my favorite rogues gallery of any super superhero and it just feels like a wasted opportunity to just like joker's great like don't get me wrong joker is one of the all-time great super villains but when you have such a colorful cast of characters to draw from it seems like a wasted opportunity to constantly go back to that well and why not let Black Mask just be the main villain in, in, in a game? Like, he's a great villain. Like, it's a different flavor from the Joker. He's a bit more self-serious. And then you've got the, the, the cast of Assassins, which, like, they're not all winners. I Like, Electrocutioner, I didn't even know he existed until this game. Yeah, like, who the game. hell is Firefly? Like, what? what? Yeah. <laughs> is that real? But, like, Bane... But Bane is a strong villain. Deadshot, like, is a really, really interesting character, and I kind of wish was in this game more. Um, Copperhead is great, and I actually really like this take on Copperhead. And Deathstroke, like, yeah, Deathstroke is like, like, as a character that's kind of like an, you know, equal skill, martial skill to Batman. That's a really, you know, compelling, well to to draw from and so for the game to just go oh it's the joker again is probably the thing that um and i like i we can't go to spoilers this isn't the last time they'll do this um um but like and i just i i wish i wish they had the confidence to to leave the joker in the past and and just and just uh, and explore more of this world and and more of Batman's rogues ga- rogue rogues gallery. Should we talk about? I know we're we're past gameplay, but I feel like we'll get hung out to dry if we don't talk about the Deathstroke fight, which we somehow haven't yeah, yeah. until now. So should we take this opportunity and talking about characters to talk uh, talk about that fight? Yes, absolutely. Uh, it. I kind of figured we'd talk about it as we were talking about the assassins rather than the gameplay. I'm not sure why, but um, much like, I think, I know, Josh, you agree with this, the Mr. Freeze fight was kind of a standout boss fight in City. And that was something that I think it's fair to say Asylum had struggled with boss fights. They tended to come down to big guy running at you, deal with that. Aside from maybe Killer Croc, which was kind of a set piece thing. In this one, the standout I think most people tend to refer to is the Deathstroke fight. And for for my two pence worth on it, it sh- almost feels like it's a QTE, but I never reacted to it in the negative way that I have done with other games that rely heavily on QTE type stuff. Um, and I'm not sure exactly why. Uh, I don't know if, if you guys feel that it was more QTE or it dodged that kind of bullet, but I never felt like I was just responding to button press prompts in the in a way that annoyed me. Yeah, it's it's weird because I had really good memories of this <laughs> fight. Like, I, I remembered it like, oh, it, was, it was so cool. Um, but, you know, where in the Mr. Freeze fight in Arkham City mm. is is especially on a harder difficulty. It is every single thing you have learned in the game. You yeah. know, like yeah. you need to utilize every way you have of taking them down and and deathstroke is really well animated mm-hmm. and and i kind of feel like that's it <laughs> you know like yeah. like it's it's a it's an extremely well animated fight and they pull the camera in really close and it and it looks good and and that's kind of all i have to say about it which which was just disappointing to to come back to because it it feels more like a kind of, you know, God God of War boss, which is great, and I like those games a lot. But it but it doesn't 
necessarily play to Arkham's strengths as much as some of their other bosses have. I'll tell you where the fight kind of lost me is when you start seeing the exact same animation sequence over mm-hmm. and over <laughs> and over again. Uh, and I, I, as as Jacob says, yeah, it looks great and it's a cool idea, but for me, I think it just went on for too long because, or maybe it's just that I was seeing that repeat of sequences too many times. It, like maybe if they'd had more different animation sequences in there or if there were different things that you could mm-hmm. do but it always kind of seemed to come down to okay well time your triangle presses and yeah. counter your that's it yeah <laughs> it, it's funny looking at this fight um after playing sekiro yeah um uh. because i feel like a fight with a samurai in that game feels like how this fight should play out mm-hmm. where it's like a series of deflections and then counters and, and that kind of thing. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't think this is quite like, I don't think this is nearly as great for me uh, as, as the Mr. Freeze fight for, for all the reasons that have already been stated. Um, Mr. Freeze is just like this perfect, um less like not lesson a test in everything that you've learned whereas this like you're never going to use these skills these you know these re- reactive uh re- yeah. you know the reactions to his patterns in any other situation in the game it's just exclusively for this set piece yeah. and it's really fun and it's really exciting um but it's not very deep no, I think that's fair. I think, um, so I had a very similar experience playing this time around as I did previously, which was mainly just because it's been six years and I've forgotten what that fight was. Um, but I almost felt like I, wa- I, I, I was put in the position of Batman in that fight, which is he is out of his depth there. He, he is going to be the match of Deathstroke in the future, but at this point, Deathstroke almost and actually says as much trying to actually teach Batman patience and um, patience, basically. Um, And I found that I was starting off playing that fight too much like the rest of the combat, which is is damning because it doesn't play like the the rest of the game's mechanics do. Uh, Well, mechanics, but not the, the pace you play at. You need to be much more patient, much more reserved. Um, Except that I felt that if I was seeing the same animation over and over again, it's probably because I was doing, I wasn't doing the right thing. It's not that I was doing something wrong, but it lets you sit and just counter and counter and counter. But you're not going to actually chip his health bar down if you do that. You need to find the rock paper scissors answer to what he's doing in a specific phase of the fight. Um, but it felt much more dynamic than that sounds. It wasn't always just rock paper scissors to me. Uh, and so I start off the fight and I'm snatching at things. I'm, I'm hitting uh, X one too many times and getting punished for it. And so I learn, okay, be very precise with your button presses, which is probably how I should play the rest of the combat in the game, but I don't because I'm an idiot, as I said. Um, so I really liked the fact I was learning how to fight this fight all over again and exactly the same lessons over again in that it did... Sekiro's a good touchstone, I think, Josh, because, yeah, that's kind of rewritten the book on how a parry-counter um, fight can work, but from a, a from Software Souls angle, whereas this is 
how this fight works from an Arkham Asylum City angle, which I would have expected this fight to have much more obvious button prompts for here is what you need to do to counter this thing he's doing. And other than the direct press Y to counter, in terms of needing to use the um, grapple gun to pull him in when he's got his staff out, I had to learn that. The game wasn't telling me to do it, and that felt really cool to me because so many times in this game and others in the series, I've felt it over-tutorializes, and this fight almost under-tutorializes to a way where I could imagine people getting frustrated with not progressing through the fight. Um, but I felt it struck a nice balance for me that it was telling me I wasn't progressing and force and and inviting me, not forcing me to work out what I needed to do. So I I did it worked for me the push and pull of okay I can counter, but how do I actually get in on him and damage him? Um, I really liked it, but yeah, there's no denying that now in 2019 next to something like Sekiro it looks kind of simplistic. Um, now to to soften soften what I said yeah, uh, a little bit, I will say it is cool like that. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I very admittedly it is a cool fight. Yeah, and I th- I think something that maybe counts against it is it happens so early in the game. Unlike the Mister yeah. Freeze fight, where I I did uh, a little bit feel like okay, here's a checklist of things I can do. I'm going to need to check all of these off in order to beat Mister Freeze because that's what it's kind of setting that fight up to be. He will learn your attack after you've done it once successfully and you need to try something else. Sean S. Thomas says, more interesting and far fewer side missions this time around meant I actually bothered to do a lot of them. They also tied into the characters really well. In general, the story, which felt born of the Year One comic, held my attention far more than Cities did. It was great seeing Gordon become an ally and the villains taking shape, The crime scenes were all short and sweet, but really nailed what I love about Batman so much. At his best, he uses his brain and his brawn equally. Boss battles in this series had been pretty sketchy previously. Scarecrow and Asylum and Mr. Freeze and City aside, none of them had done anything for me. I don't know if I was expecting very little from these due to previous games, but I enjoyed just about every boss fight in this game. Though many were variations on the core combat, they played to the cast of villains' unique traits, though Deathstroke felt like a quick-time event occasionally. As a set of bad guys, this crop is far less well-known, but I think it benefited the standouts. Uh, Classic Tales 55 from the forum says, The Joker is main villain again. We get it. Please do something new. There is still some visible slowdown when traveling around the city, on my PS3 at least. Just doesn't seem as polished as the other games. Combat also doesn't feel as tight to me. Also, plot holes. Does everything make sense when compared to the other games? How old is everyone? Bane is very different. Maybe it can all be explained. I like to think the game takes place in a separate universe, so I don't have to think about it. (laughs) I, I, uh, (laughs) I think that echoes some of the concerns that we've brought up ourselves with how things kind of fit together, but um, yeah. Fair points. And I think we've also talked about uh, how the, the voice acting kind of affected us, but we haven't heard from Deadpool Negative on the subject. Uh, so on the forum, Deadpool Negative said, A word on the voice acting. The great Roger Craig Smith subs in for Kevin Conroy this time, and while he takes a little getting used to, he's suitable for the angry young man Bruce Wayne the story is trying to depict. I rather enjoyed the way he bit off the line, it's a glue grenade. The great Troy Baker is the Joker, and he's all right. 
The Joker is more of a plot device in this story than a true antagonist, and Baker is not given many opportunities to really stand out. He's trapped in the shadow of Mark Hamill for the game's duration. Brian Bloom is at his Brian Bloomiest as Black Mask, and while some may dislike Nolan North's Penguin, I find it to be quite a delight. But the standout is Mark Rolston's droll, all-business deathstroke. The veteran character actor brings a a lot of slow-burn menace to the role, playing him cool and calm as opposed to the usual Batman crazies. I also greatly appreciated brief vocal cameos from Robert Costanzo and CCH Pounder, voicing Harvey Bullock and Amanda Waller, respectively. So that will wrap us up on the story, but there's not just a story in this game. There are other modes too. Uh, Jacob, you mentioned challenge rooms. Did you get as much out of the challenge rooms in this game as previous games? I did not because mm-hmm. I hadn't unlocked all the abilities and I didn't yeah. want to do the pointless Until, stuff yeah. that the game wanted me to so I could. Um, so it actually allows you to do... I assume they're the same challenge rooms you can access from the menu, but in the the Batcave, you can go to the training area and go through, essentially, challenge rooms. They have, certainly have plenty of different um, like completion requirements and stuff like that. But yeah, I tackled a couple of them early in the story, and then others were locked off to me until I completed other stuff, and I just didn't go back to them. How about Josh or Leah? I'm guessing your silence says that you didn't really uh, do much with no. the challenge rooms, yeah? Yeah, yeah. no, I didn't. Um, Another interesting thing is when I went to the challenge rooms, I could choose to be either Batman, Deathstroke, or Initiative, uh, or Initiation Batman, who is in his kind of like training days as a as a ninja or a Batman to be. Um, I don't know if that makes any difference to the challenge rooms you play, but you had multiple costumes for them, the same as with City previously. Um, and the other thing, the multiplayer, uh, which was developed separately by Splash Damage, um, and the only thing I know about it is it's pitched as a Joker versus Bane, like they're, they're, they're two gangs, if you like, facing off against one another. But I literally did not touch it at all. Yep. Yeah, and it's not available anymore. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I yeah. also did not, uh, did not actually get into any of the multiplayer. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I never like to say that the uh, multiplayer seems tacked on, but of games that were they have been accused of multiplayer being tacked on. This seems like one that I do remember at the time being kind of uh, people scratching their heads saying, why? You know, in the same way that Bioshock 2 had that response, and I actually quite like that multiplayer. So not judging on the quality of it because I didn't try it, but um, I certainly heard that kind of response to this. One thing that we have already heard some positive feedback about is the Cold Cold Heart DLC which is uh, a Mr. Freeze-centric story uh, that takes place almost directly like a few days after this game. It's a New Year's Eve relevant to the Christmas Eve that happened, I guess, a week before uh, in the the main story. I played through, uh, I guess, about an hour of it today, and you start off as Bruce Wayne at uh, um, a a ceremony to celebrate... um, the Goth Corp CEO, uh, Ferris, I think is his surname. Um, and so you start off playing as Bruce Wayne and have to kind of get through Wayne Manor where this is being set or being held uh, to get to your bat suit and then kind of back up to, to help out and try and chase after Mr. Freeze, who is the kidnapper. Um, did any of you guys play through this? I didn't. No? I, I, I know because th- this DLC is drawing heavily, heavily, heavily from... Uh, the episode of the animated series um, Heart of Ice, mm-hmm. 
and my problem is is that they decided to put the penguin in there as well. Yeah. And I just immediately was like, no, I can't <laughs> I can't bear to experience that. Yeah. Because Heart of Ice is sacred to me. Like Heart of Ice is one of the strongest uh like not just episodes of Batman mm-hmm. the animated series, it's like one of the strongest stories using batman full stop i i just adore it it's if you've never like if you've never watched batman the animated series and have never seen heart of ice i almost recommend it in isolation because it's just so perfect um and just the idea of just throwing nolan north's penguin into the middle of that (laughs) yeah just no i can't i i just I, I, my brain just rejected it in in its entirety. So well, you paid for Nolan North. He's in the studio. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I I totally appreciate it. This is probably really fun and 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 the sto- I mean the story's heart of ice. So of course it's great. Um, and if you've never seen that episode, it's probably you know fantastic. But I just mm. I I can't I can't bear the idea of that that. The, that treatment of the story, yeah. unfortunately. I will say it was a bit of a head-scratcher when it opens and Mr. Freeze attacks, but they very specifically say, why is he working with the Penguin's goons? And it made me wonder, is it just they didn't want to, or they didn't have the capacity to create a new set of henchmen for Mr. Freeze, so they just used the kind of fur coat-wearing Penguin goons? Um but it sounds like I hadn't realised Penguin ended up being more of a feature in the story. Um, so it sounds like it was actually story relevant rather than just kind of uh, reusing the the costumes for the, the bad guys. But um, but yeah, it, it didn't explain that off the bat and it was kind of a bit of a head-scratcher. There were other DLC packs, uh, mainly um, different maps for the challenge rooms, that kind of thing. But also released alongside was Batman Arkham Origins Blackgate. Now, we're obviously not talking about that game here, but it's worth noting that was a 3DS and PlayStation Vita side-scroller made by Armature Studio um, and kind of was kind of well uh, or anticipated because of it being a Metroidvania-style 2D game set in the the Batman Arkham universe. Um, I played it and enjoyed it i wouldn't necessarily say it was fantastic but it was good fun i think also notable for having a pretty bad map um but yeah that came out day and date which is kind of unusual and i guess a bit confusing because again led to the notion that neither of them separately was a big enough deal to to be to stand alone on their own ground in the arkham universe which is a bit of a shame because i think both of them could use a bit more breathing room from one another but so the last couple of bits of forum feedback I think we have. Alex79UK says, It's been a while and I only played through it once, but I know that I enjoyed Arkham Origins, the best of all four Batman Arkham games. I felt the game got a bit of an unfair reception from all, from the internet at large, often citing that the combat, fe- combat felt unresponsive, which I didn't find to be true at all. From a story perspective, the game is by far the strongest and it had some brilliant boss fights. I really think it's an excellent game, and I'd love to have another run-through of it should ever see a re-release. Let's get these games on the Switch, please. Um, As mentioned, Arkham Origins has not been re-released when other Arkham games have, so I think maybe the ship has sailed on that one, but who knows. 
Um, Leah, would you read Caliber and M's feedback? Having played Asylum and City before this, and knowing of its underwhelming reviews, I started playing this game expecting something notably worse than its predecessors, but in the end, I consider it to be their equal. I can't say I found the combat to be worse than in the other games, and if anything, I would say that the boss fights were perhaps the best yet. Though I must admit to being a bit of a button basher who maybe missed some of the finer points of Batman's combat. I also felt that while the story may not have been a series high point, the cast of villains more than made up for its shortcomings. Overall, I remain puzzled by Arkham Origins' reception and wonder if, once again, a game has suffered due to a change of developer who has been unfairly perceived to be inferior or unable to duplicate the original developer's success. Certainly, fatigue did not seem to harm Arkham Knight, which never seemed to receive similar negativity despite its failings. Anyway, definitely a game I would recommend to anyone who's enjoyed Batman's other recent outings and one I consider to have been unfairly maligned. Thank you very much. After this game was released came Arkham Knight in 2015. Um, stay tuned for a future Caden Rinse issue. Chances are on that one. Uh, as mentioned, Asylum and City received a return to Arkham Collection in 2016, but Origins did not make its way onto there. I think it's fair to say in the legacy of this series, if not this particular game, Marvel Spider-Man that came out in 2018 was a... These games were used as a fairly big touchstone of how superhero games might work, and there were similarities in combat, etc. Um, so Arkham, the Arkham series definitely had an influence there. But the most notable part of the legacy of these games, and maybe this one in particular perhaps, is in what Rocksteady and WB Montreal are doing next. There's been so many rumours. Um, for WB Montreal, there was a Suicide Squad tease at the end of Origins that seemed to be its own game, but then was cancelled reportedly in December 2016. Um, there have been Twitter pictures of WB Games Montreal's staff wearing owl masks at a party or one of an, a Court of Owls possible t-shirt. Um, Rumours of two unannounced DC games in development at WB Games Montreal all through 2017-2018. Um, there was then concept art leaked for a cancelled Damian Wayne game just a couple of months ago now. And then very recently, before we record this podcast in uh, you know the past few weeks, there have been 80th anniversary Batman celebration tweets um, that, that WB Montreal put out that had four like, subliminal symbols in that seemed to be potentially either... Um, Demon's Heads, Ra's al Ghul type symbols, and Court of Owls symbols. The only thing we know for sure is Kevin Conroy says he's disappointed to not be involved in whatever the next Batman Arkham game is. Um, it's weird to have gone this long. I guess if there's been this many cancelled games, it kind of uh, says that they're, they've been building up to get something off the ground, but... Um, was hoping to have some kind of announcement to talk about, but nothing seems to have been forthcoming. Um, we will have to see. I don't know that there's particularly anything to ask you guys about that, but um, feel free to chip in. It's just a, kind of this weird sort of two or three year period where we've been hearing lots, but also nothing about Arkham games. I just, I have so little background with some of the surrounding stuff like that i like i think it's cool that they that people are finding this kind of stuff but i i don't i don't know what to be excited about because i don't know a whole lot about it myself 
entirely fair. Yeah, we will. We will just have to see. Um, it feels like there's an announcement coming, but not in time for this recording. So uh, by the time you listen to it, you may well know better than we do now what's next from WB Montreal or the Arkham Games. Okay, we have some three-word reviews. Reprogate Gamer says, Middling Arkhamverse Entry. Alex79UK says, One Long Night. Alan Wilkinson says, Wrong Sounding Joker. Dusk vs. Tweak says, Batman Returns, again. Scott Lamond says, Better Than Expected. Tales of Tales says, Bats Has Stroke. And James Broadhead says, Too Many Gadgets. Um, I am just checking. Hot off the presses, we have a few more. I will run through a couple of them. Uh, we have Mark Delaney saying, Villainy B-Team. Ellis Net YT says, Holy Disappointment, Batman. Finishing up with Lalu Ganesan, who says, Extraordinary Boss Fights. There we go. Thank you for all of your feedback, whether they were read or not. Um, try to include as much as we can, but obviously time is, as always, against us. Which means it's our summaries. Um, I've written here the order is TBD based on who's the nicest to the game. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I guess, Jacob, that means you're not going last. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Leo, would you like to kick us off, please? Sure. Uh, I like Arkham Origins, but I don't know if I would recommend it as a first Batman game. Um, I, I think that I would recommend it if you can get a hold of it and, uh, or if you happen to have PlayStation now, I guess, um, if you, uh, it, it's, it is definitely not a bad game. I will say that, uh, it has flaws. It, uh, is not the best running game all of the time, mm. but it's enjoyable. I liked, I, I think that the combat actually is my least favorite part of it. I actually just kind of like going through it's, it's. Not quite a platformer, but like an ex- as an exploration game, mm-hmm. I think, and determining where to use um, your your various gadgets. It, it it was pretty good at making me feel like I'd done something cool, even yeah. when really all I'd done is just kind of um, you know, follow what they told me to do when when <laughs> I was looking around with my detective vision. Um, so I like that part a lot, and uh, the combat's fine. It's it's nothing new, but it uh, it worked out okay for me. Um, if you, uh, can get a hold of it, then I'd say, yeah, go ahead and play it. Uh, it's, it's not the greatest game, but it is fun. And, um, that's the important part for me. Thank you very much. Uh, Jacob, would you care to t- tell us why it's not good? So, okay. So it's not a, it's okay. not a bad game. It, Arkham <laughs> Origins is not a bad game. However... In the presence of Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, and Arkham Knight, it is utterly redundant. I can't think of a single thing that this game does that those games don't do better. I think that the world of Arkham Origins is boring. I think that the story is uninteresting and takes no risks with any of its characters. I think that the condom... The the condom? Excuse me. (laughs) Whoa. I (laughs) I think that the combat is the worst in the series uh by by measure of just changing things that did not need to be changed and not giving you access to your tools when you need them 
if you have played the other Batman games and liked them, which which many, many people have and want something new, I think you can play Origins and get something out of it. But if if you haven't played those games, I can literally think of no reason why I would recommend Origins over any of them. So I I I when I started playing this game for this issue, I was happy because I hadn't played a Batman game in a while and it's just fun to like zip around and punch people, but overall the the experience just left me feeling empty. I feel like nothing about this game. Which might be more damning than if you did really dislike it. <laughs> yeah. Um okay, I will uh go next and leave Josh to round us out. Um to me, of the four mainline Arkham games, this is my second favourite. Asylum is way out in front as far as I'm concerned. I, I enjoyed almost everything that game had to offer. That's not to say it's faultless. I just really enjoyed the setup and the claustrophobic uh, island that you find uh, Batman on in that game. Um, but as far as open world, I, I still don't think the Arkham series has nailed that. I think structurally there are problems. I think in terms of the traversal, it's not as fun as I would like it to be, just in terms of an open world game. If I'm using fast travel, as far as I'm concerned, that's a fairly big indictment of the, the traversal through the um, through the map. Um, and I, I, in this game, was using fast travel. Uh, so that kind of says its own story. But... What this game has for me that none of uh, Arkham in its open world has not otherwise managed is its atmosphere. And that makes up a lot of the shortcomings that, that Leah and Josh and Jacob and myself have mentioned with this game. Um, more than it possibly should, but it just the, the scenario, the setting, and the atmosphere that this game presents didn't feel surface to me. It felt it invited me to want to be in this world in a way that I struggled with in City and Night we haven't talked about, but I definitely struggled with there. And I can't explain that. It's just a, a gut reaction I had to this, um, the setup for, for this game. Uh, and, and it played through the story I, I enjoyed. It's contrived that all of these villains happened to be meeting Batman for the first time on, on this night, but... It's just a testament to how much I'm willing to overlook if the the conceit of a game appeals to me. And this game did. Uh, as for the combat, I was as 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 bad or as good at the, with the combat as as I had been in previous games. I got plenty out of that, and I enjoyed going back to it. Now I I really like the Christmas setting, and I like Gotham as it is. Um, in in this game, um. But I, I can't deny the, the faults it has either, and that part is part and parcel for me for Batman Open World. Um, and I think I, I think I'm looking forward to seeing WB Montreal go back with larger separation from the Arkham series to see what they would do to it now that Rocksteady have seemingly left that behind. Rocksteady have had their trilogy and said their piece. I'm looking forward to seeing if WB Montreal can do something different. That's kind of where I land on this. I, I enjoyed the stuff I enjoyed enough to ignore the stuff I didn't, I suppose, is where it comes out in the wash. Um, Josh, how about yourself? How did you feel? Um, so I, I, I feel uh, about um, 
uh, Arkham Origins the same way I feel about Ant-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, in that it doesn't compare to, you know, my favourites within that series. Like, I think um, Arkham Asylum is by far my favourite, and... and uh, it's one of my favorite games of all time. City, um, I, I was initially more disappointed with it at first than I am now. I've, yeah. I've revisited it over the years, and I've I've grown to appreciate it more and more over time. And I kind of feel about it the same way I feel about Bayonetta two now, where it's like it's a great game in its own right, but it's not quite the just the perfect Patrick package the original game was for me. Yeah. Um, Whereas Origins just feels like a solid, fun time. It's not going to appear in any like greatest games of all time list that I would create, but I had a fun time with it. And there's no, there's no dip in quality so large that it frustrated me or made me want to stop playing the game. Which I cannot say for Arkham Knight. Which I know I'm not. We're not um, doing a review. We might do a review on that game. Uh, in the future, and I'm maybe tipping my hat a little bit early, but I'm really, really glad that Arkham Origins didn't constantly interrupt a great game with a terrible mini game that I had to play every half hour, which Arkham <laughs> Knight does. Um, and also, like as much as I agree with Jacob that the story in Arkham Origins is not as interesting as um, Arkham City mm. or Arkham Asylum. Um, I find Arkham Knight's story to be infuriatingly dumb and uh, it, like really, really terrible. So um, at least it's not that. So I, it's it's Ant Man. It's solid. It's fun. <laughs> you you won't remember most of it, <laughs> but it's it's good with friends and it and it. Well, I mean, you're not going to play this with friends. You know what I mean. Yeah, it's yeah. a solid, yeah. fun time, and have a beer while you're playing it, and you'll have fun. Only if you're old enough to consume alcohol. It, it, only <laughs> if you're 18 in the UK or 21 oh, in absolutely. the US. Um, yeah, fantastic. Thank you very much, one and all. I think, uh, yeah, I was worried we were going to sound too negative, but I think we've had a fairly uh, even keel of it over the, the course of our discussion. And very enjoyable it was too. Hopefully, listeners, you enjoyed it as much as I did. It remains for me, I'm James, to thank Leah, Josh and Jacob, as well as all of our correspondents who we've heard from, our editor Jay, and of course you for listening. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, rate, review, or best of all, head to patreon.com slash Rinse. And you can get every Kane and Rinse podcast one week earlier, usually extended beyond two hours, especially if I'm involved, as well as an exclusive monthly podcast. Next time around, it's issue 193. Hideo Kojima rings the changes for Metal Gear Solid V, The Phantom Pain, and Konami responds by ringing some changes of their own all of which resulted in Norman Reedus peeing on grass to make mushrooms. Thank you very much for joining us. See you next time.